0: Viral of this woman who is in a shelter down in Houston Who begins to sing praises unto God And everybody in the shelter is just sort of depressed, discouraged, obviously overwhelmed And she just begins to sing Have you seen it? Who who all has seen this? Okay, a lot of you Something like 17 million hits now So I watched that, I was told about it Thursday I guess And I watched it Friday And it was just so cool to see this atmosphere totally transformed by song. And not just song, but a song of praise unto God. In the the most devastating of circumstances, lifting up praises unto God transforms us. And that's why we're going to be studying for the next few months uh, the book of Psalms because the book of psalms is literally a book of songs hebrew songs many of them written by king david many of them written by a man named asaph others written by different people no doubt assigned by the king to write but these 150 psalms collected together in five different books really i think in many respects conveys the totality of the human experience. The honesty that God loves. I mean, there are Psalms that take God to account. God, where are you? Why have you abandoned us? We're doing everything we're supposed to. Where are you at? There are other other psalms that pray for the destruction of the psalmist's enemies. We'll talk about that a little bit. There are psalms of praise, psalms that are prophetic in nature, psalms that the Jews would use as they went up to the temple to worship, called psalms or songs of ascent. There were psalms that were praising the king, glorifying the king. And of course, the king, prophetically speaking, was Jesus. So it's just an amazing, amazing book. Probably, in the whole of the Bible, my favorite book. The one that I go to the most often when I am in need of hearing from God. Now, I've I've titled the series that we're going into, Awakening the Heart. Awakening the Heart. Relating honestly with God. And that's really what we're going to talk about here this morning. Uh, We're not going to actually get into the Psalms so much this morning, but I want to sort of set the stage for you about what we're going to be looking into and hopefully what will be occurring by the power of God's spirit in each of our lives. In the beginning, the book of Genesis tells us that God made man in his image. Male and female, he created them. So we have, as a human race, been created in the image of God. And God intended for each one of us to walk in sweet fellowship with him that is portrayed for us in the book of Genesis in the relationship that Adam and Eve had before the fall with God, where they would walk with the Lord in the garden, in the cool of the day. Now imagine no sin, no stain upon the creation, being able to walk with the Lord in perfect fellowship. That is what I am calling an awakened heart. A heart that recognizes the presence of the Lord, the glory of God, and the desire of our Creator to walk in fellowship with each one of us. That's what He desires from us and for us. And yet, so oftentimes, and this is obviously because of the fall. Unfortunately, it didn't stay in that sweet fellowship stage, did it? Adam and Eve ate of the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Sin entered into the human race. Death through sin. And all of the devastation that has been wrought in the subsequent centuries and millennium. All as a result of that fallen state that we are in. But God, that's what I love, Uh, Ephesians chapter 2, talks about the fact that we are in a fallen state, that we are dead in our sin and trespasses. Dead in our sin and trespasses. But God hath made us alive through his Son. So we have the opportunity as human beings To no longer live in darkness, but to walk with him. To enter into his marvelous light through the gospel of Jesus Christ. Through the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. When we receive that by faith, we are born again as new creatures in Christ. And that sweet fellowship that Adam and Eve experienced, we too can experience. But it's not exactly the same yet. John, the apostle wrote, It has not yet appeared what we shall be. But we know this, that when he appears, we will be like him, for we shall see him as he is. So there is a coming time where this corruption will put on incorruption. This mortality will put on immortality. We will, we will be raised from the dead. And we will have that ultimate eternal fellowship that God always intended. But even now, even in these bodies of corruption, in this world stained with sin, we can know the Lord. We can experience fellowship with him. We can know the sweetness of hearing him speak to us. We can be overcomers. It says in Romans chapter 8, what can separate us from the love of God in Christ? And then he goes through a whole litany of different things that will not separate us from his love. So we have the opportunity as human beings to walk in fellowship with Him, to experience His love, to, in some measure, though through a mirror dimly, to know that God loves us and to feel the freshness, the goodness of that love. Yes, we look towards a day yet to come when the fullness will be experienced, but we can know it today. And that's a part of, again, the awakening of the heart. Because, It is my belief that as Christians, as men and women who have stepped out of the darkness into his marvelous light, who have received the gospel by faith and have indeed become new creations in Christ, it is my belief that we, of all people, of all human beings, should be the most joyful. We should always walk in an experience of joy. Now, notice I did not say happiness. There is a great difference between happiness, which is largely circumstantial, versus joy, which is deep and abiding because of the presence of God with us. Those people in that shelter, when that woman began to sing, they began to taste of what joy in difficult experiences is really like. That's... What we have received as Christians, the fullness of joy, Jesus said, he gave to his disciples. Not just depending upon the goodness of our circumstances, but upon the knowledge that he is present with us at all times, that he will never leave us nor forsake us. So our hearts need to be awakened as Christians. We need to understand the depth of his love for us. The extraordinary lengths that God went to in order to reestablish fellowship with us, to reconcile us to himself, that he sent his own son to die upon the cross, to be despised and rejected, to take upon himself my sin and yours as well, so that once again, the opportunity for that sweet fellowship, that awareness of one another's presence could occur. So that when death happens, we can say, Death, where is your victory? Oh, grave, where is your sting? We do not, as Christians, fear death because our Savior has conquered it. That's an awakening of the heart. Surely we mourn when we lose our loved ones. But we do not mourn, Paul says, as those who have no hope. Because we know how the story ends. We know what happens when we die. And we want to share that good news with everyone else so that they can have that same hope so that they don't have to fear death, so that they can carry with them a great joy, so that they can say, thanks be unto God for his indescribable gift. We need to have our hearts awakened. We need, church, to walk in a way that is transformative. We need, again, to use the illustration of the video, to walk in, to the storm shelter of this world and begin to sing praises unto God and to draw people in to an awareness of the beauty of that relationship. I want that too. How do you get that? How is it that you're able to sing after you've lost everything? Well, let me tell you about my Savior who rose from the dead and lives evermore and holds the keys of death and of hell. That's an awakening of the heart. Now, one of the beautiful things about the psalms is their honesty. That's one of the things that makes me identify with the psalmists. As I said, sometimes they're angry at God they don't understand all of what God intends. Their circumstances seem to suggest that God has abandoned them. And they honestly convey that emotion, that thought to God. Jesus said several times throughout the Gospels that we are not to be hypocrites. We are to be honest people. We are To let our true selves shine through. God is not surprised by, disappointed by our doubts, our emotions, our misunderstandings of his goodness. It doesn't knock God off of his throne when that happens. In fact, God created us as emotional people. We are to experience the whole range of emotions. Jesus did. Jesus, God in the flesh. Anger, righteous anger there when he cleared the temple. Great tears fell from his eyes when his friend Lazarus was placed in the tomb says he was a, a man of sorrows, well acquainted with grief. And yet there were other times, if you read the Gospels carefully, where Jesus was quite joyful. In fact, I think Jesus had a bit of a sarcastic humor. If you read through some of the stories, Jesus says, how can a blind man lead the blind? They're both going to fall in a ditch. Now, I'm just guessing that the people who heard that chuckled. Jesus had a great sense of humor. He experienced the whole range of emotions. So did King David. King David, in the midst of the night, he says, my bed is filled with my tears. Now this is King David, who controls the entire country, the greatest king Israel ever knew, lying on his bed in the middle of the night weeping. There are times, as I said, where the psalmists take very harsh language in their prayers, particularly about the unrighteous or their enemies. They are seeking justice. They are seeking God to exact revenge upon their enemies. And they pray for the downfall, the death. There's even a a place in the Psalms where the psalmist prays that their enemies' babies will be thrown off a cliff and dashed upon the rocks. That's pretty honest language. So God wants us to relate to him honestly, not hypocritically, not putting on a mask, not saying, you know what, this is, I, I'm, not, I'm just going to squash these feelings, I'm just going to squash this emotion, and I'm going to put on this face that is very religious, so that other people will think that I'm on top of everything. See, that joy does not necessarily come out with a mask. Joy recognizes the reality of your circumstances, acknowledges it, says, I'm overwhelmed by it, but I'm still going to sing. I'm still going to raise my voice and praise to God. Just like Job. The Lord giveth. The Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Job didn't deny his circumstances. Job acknowledged it. But he said, Blessed be the name of the Lord in spite of it. So we're going to look into this book of Psalms and we're going to discover the range of human experience and human emotion. The application of the Word of God to those experiences And ultimately, that's going to drive us to better appreciate the glory of God. And hopefully, as I said, to awaken our hearts in such a way that our lives truly are transformative. Not just so that we feel better about ourselves or our circumstances, but that we can share that with others. Because as the church, we are God's presence upon the earth. The Holy Spirit indwells the church. So we literally are his presence upon the earth. How else is the world going to hear if we don't go? And what will they hear when we go? What will they hear? Will they hear joy? an overcoming Savior, an honesty that, yeah, life sometimes is extraordinarily difficult, but God is our refuge and our strength. Or are they going to get that religious facade? The Psalms would suggest to us that they get the real deal, the whole package, the goodness of God, the depth of difficulty, that we live in within this world, but the overcoming reality that a relationship with God, an awakened heart, can know. So that's where we're going, church. Where's your heart at today? Are you asleep? Are you slumbering in your walk with God? Or is it alive? Is your soul pricked with the presence of the Holy Spirit? And the possibility that you individually and you collectively might just be God's perfect plan for Gunnison. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the glory of your word and the reality that it conveys to us. From Genesis to Revelation, there is an accurate portrait of humanity painted. But beyond that, there is a wonderful description of the possibility that exists because of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Awaken our hearts, Lord, as we move into this next season of our lives. It's fall coming. The leaves will be changing. And there will be great beauty that accompanies that change. So, too, as our hearts are awakened, as we change, Lord, and reflect better your glory, we, too, will herald the truth that it's a new season. In Jesus' name, amen. We are going to sing a song. Now, I just have to share a little story about this hymn. It's a hymn that I grew up with in the Catholic Church. I found out later, Alicia and Ken were over at our house sharing a meal and we were humming a song. I can't remember exactly how it goes. And Alicia and I were trying to figure out what the name of the song was. And I was trying to figure it out and I threw a, a title out and she said, no, I don't think that's it. Later that afternoon, she obviously did some homework. She texted me. It just came up into your brain, okay? She texted me, this is it. And so I looked it up, and she was right. So it's a great, great old hymn. Let's stand and sing it. Holy God, we praise thy name. Okay, that was good for me. I don't know how it was for you, but that was good for me. (laughs) The Lord richly bless you as you adore him on bended knee, as you recognize the opportunity he has given you through the new birth to share his true love. Go in the name and in the power of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.